Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Christian Life Coach Collective. You're invited to this table with others on the same journey to becoming a great coach with a strong foundation, no matter what type of coaching you're called to. I've lived a lot of my life full of doubt and confusion about my purpose. I didn't know if my broken and messy story could be used by God, but I did know I wanted to find a way to serve Him and others while making money. In fact, I had no idea what life coaching even was, and I just thought it sounded kind of silly. But as I pressed into what God was calling me to, He was faithful to make the path clear to me, and now I love my life as a coach. In this podcast, you'll learn more about your calling as a coach, whether you've been doing it for a bit or just starting to think about it. You'll hear experts and coaching examples and learn new strategies and tools and so much more. I'm Laura Malone, and I'm honored to guide you in your coach calling, and together, we can pursue wholeheartedness for both you and your clients with the help of Holy Spirit. So get ready to become the hero in your own story and an amazing guide to others. Hello again, friends. It is a good day to have a good day. And whether you're growing as a coach, wanting to become one, or you're just listening in, thanks for joining me. Remember to jump into the Christian Life Coach Collective Facebook group and become one of the founding members when you have a chance. Just run over there because I'm really excited for what the Lord's going to do in there and the people he's going to bring together and connect. Today is a topic that's important to me for multiple reasons, um, personal and coaching experience reasons. In the future episodes, I'm going to build more on this topic, but keep it short today but I could seriously keep talking and teaching on this for about for hours, I think. But in coaching and personal development of any kind, especially in the counseling realm, which is outside of the coaching realm, mind you, there is a term we use to describe when a circumstance or an event hits us in a negative way. It's the word trigger. For example, when somebody slams a door in my house, it triggers my brain and conjures the memories, not just the memories of my childhood, but the feelings and emotions and thoughts of when my mom would slam things because she was mad. (laughs) So even though I haven't lived with her for 30 years, my brain still processes that slam to some degree with an interpretation that somebody's upset. And that someone might even be me. It might be me slamming something And the accidental slam still brings this up and triggers me, right? So I've done a lot of work on this over the years, but my brain still knows about it and has a thought process, even if I have self-control over my reaction to it. So if one of my teenage daughters slams a door after I disappoint her somehow, which feels like it's a lot (laughs) when you have three teenage girls in the house, it can, I can feel triggered. But because of my awareness of that trigger, I can walk myself through it and bring it to the Lord. So your brain hears, sees, or experiences something, and then is always looking back through memories and the subconscious, uh, the past experiences to determine what is this circumstance about? What's it saying? What is it? And the brain is scanning the horizon of the moment to know, because the brain's job is to keep us safe. So if it can scan the situation and associate it with what it believes from the past, you know, the kinds of consequences and um, the outcomes of similar situations, then the brain can help us protect ourselves from whatever's going on. 
So a trigger is something that affects our emotional and mental well-being, and it can actually move in and affect us physically. It causes distress in some form or fashion and can lead to more of a natural reaction of some sort. It can bring up the past and inform the present moment, regardless of us being aware of it. So that affects our paradigm, you know, our belief systems, our perspectives, and our thought life. And then it can affect our emotions and feelings, and then our actions. So a trigger causes you to be less present in the moment and brings a past experience back into the mind and then sometimes manifests in the body. So keep in mind that there is a distinction between trauma triggers and discomfort triggers. Trauma causes a greater emotional and mental distress than discomfort, and it can cause flashbacks, panic attacks, um, dissociation, and other more severe responses from the body and the brain. Some of the ways that we're triggered more heavily include things like abusive situations, personal violations, uh, loss, combat, major conflict. So people with post-traumatic stress or when post-traumatic stress, it does not subside and it turns into a disorder, which is what we call PTSD. Um, That occurs when post-traumatic stress is ongoing and chronic and causing life to be lived at a subnormal level, affecting more mental and emotional health in in more severe ways. Um, It can be easily triggered when they're exposed to something related to their trauma. We can be triggered in ways that lead to abuse of drugs, alcohol, other substances, food, relationships. Abuse of multiple kinds can actually stem from the post-traumatic stress as well as stem from being triggered by certain experiences and moments and associations. More on that in another another episode. But trauma is unseen, but very, very real and needs to be respected. So if your client seems triggered during a session, be aware, slow down and be patient and communicate carefully with them. Always remember to refer out to a professional counselor of some kind if your client's session moves out of the realm of coaching. And since trauma is stored in the physical body, it can cause emotions, which are very physical, very real biochemical responses to reoccur. And chronic pain is often connected to trauma, although not everybody experiences it that way, but it's often associated with trauma and the difference between that and a discomfort trigger is that discomfort can simply occur when somebody's unsettled, unnerved, uncomfortable, when exposed to a situation or a circumstance or something connected to a belief system or something that's happened in the past that makes them uncomfortable and they're just experiencing a discomfort trigger. For example, Being asked to consider what lies and limiting beliefs are holding your client back from pursuing hopes and dreams will trigger discomfort for many people as they have to do the work to pursue the answer to that. But that's different than somebody who's been injured in like a bad wreck. 
who is being asked to trust you while you drive recklessly through crowded streets. And that can trigger their trauma. So even things like sounds, scents, and memories of what something smells like, tastes like, stories that can be told or read, other seemingly non-threatening things can trigger both discomfort and trauma. If trauma is something bigger and more dramatic occurring in our lives, there's also what you can call a microtrauma, where smaller, more subtle hurts build up and cause the brain to interpret a current situation as something to react to and perhaps protect itself from. So that's more what I like what I described with my mom slamming doors and cabinets in my childhood. I was never actually injured there, nor was any specific trauma associated with that slamming. But the context of the slamming jarred me each time it happened, and my brain began to inform me that somebody was upset or angry. So that knowledge that a slam meant this thing to my brain, that uh, translation of the experience, would help me protect and prepare myself emotionally and mentally for what could potentially follow the slam. So the painful but small experiences that would be considered microtraumas are often just ignored or suppressed because they seem insignificant to us. But we all have been known to ignore things only to find out that they just become the lava that gets hotter and hotter over time and builds up with no ventilation system. And then what our, you know, personal village thought was just a beautiful mountain blows up and explodes all over us and the people we care for. I remember um, getting a postcard reminder from a dentist once years ago. It said, your teeth are the only things that truly go away if you ignore them. You know what I mean? Like you've heard, ignore it and it will go away. It only applies to your teeth. (laughs) And I thought... Wow, it's just so true. Um, Microtraumas are events that are kind of just strung together and affect your self-worth, your self-care, your self-compassion, and they influence and inform your paradigm, your thought life, uh, the emotions that stem from that, and therefore your actions, all without you even being aware of them consciously. So microtraumas are things like insults and bullying, abandonment, breakups, ghosting, that's the thing today, Um, rage, unforgiven offenses, uh, unmet needs, enablement, embarrassment, control or manipulation or coercion, even chronic negativity. Those are all things that can cause micro traumas as they build up over time. But regardless of what's causing the trigger, one of the best ways to deal with it is to actually look for them and identify them so you can mitigate and prepare for dealing with them. So here's kind of my process. Number one, I'm speaking to you as if you're a coach helping a client, but you can apply all of this to yourself if you're just listening in or you want to be able to operate, you know, use these um this information to help yourself as well as your clients, but you can help your client identify and mitigate the triggers to process and communicate what's being experienced mentally and emotionally for them. Help them uh, to 
think and feel and stop and pay attention to what's going on in their body and their thoughts. What are they mentally knowing, hearing, uh, believing? What are, what are they experiencing emotionally? What are they feeling? Stop and look at anything that seems uncomfortable. Determine if it's destructive or harmful so you know when to refer out and examine the pattern of the trigger. So what what events, circumstance, experiences, or even people bring up this trigger? What comes to mind when these things occur? And help the client to accept it and encourage them to not discount it as real. Even if they can talk themselves into it like not being true. So, you know, somebody says, well, I can't be offended at God because God is always good and always right. If you consistently feel harmed by God, if you believe that, then it's building up over time. And so even though you can talk yourself into it not being true because it's not found in the Bible, (laughs) it doesn't mean that it's not in your paradigm. It doesn't mean you're not experiencing things associated with lies or limiting beliefs. The client actually has to accept it and not discount these um, triggers, okay? Number two, ask the client to consider what they feel, fear, and what they what feeling they're trying to avoid or what feeling they're trying to pursue. So help them to express it verbally and then shape it into a sentence. Like, when I hear, see, or experience one, two, three, I feel ABC because of XYZ. Don't lay don't ask them to lay it out like in specific details, like explicitly, but listen with compassion and patience to help them move forward from the trigger into the action taking forward moving coaching session. Again, if it seems the trigger gets them stuck and they need to process into the past, oftentimes that's best dealt with in therapy and it's a refer out moment. You're simply there to listen, validate, ask the right questions and support them in knowing the next best action step to take personally. Number three, help them formulate a boundary and like even put it into a sentence. One, two, three is difficult for me to experience. So when it comes up, I may need some extra time to process or a little longer before I take action. Specifically in a coaching session, if you ask somebody, you're, you're, having, um, you're helping them in building their business or leveling up something in their life or business, and it's scary, but they need to do it. It's the next right step, but it's something that's so far out of their comfort zone, and it triggers a little something, a reminder of failure in the past, something like that. And um, it's okay for them to recognize that trigger and voice to you, and you can help them actually create a boundary for them to hold and set and you to respect that this thing is difficult to experience. So when it comes up, I just need more time. Please be patient with me here. Or I understand you're telling me that this is the time frame in which I should get it done because I, I did tell you I need accountability and deadlines, but that's a thing that I might, I'm struggling to get over. It's keeping me up at night, something like that, okay? So you can help them formulate a boundary and you can help them keep it. 
And number four, encourage them to pray and meditate and journal what they learn about their their triggers. Once they identify them, they can more easily process through them and then learn how to stay present when they occur, since triggers often make you less present in the moment, then you can actually learn how to become more present, stay present while you're triggered because you're aware of it and you can move through that process more quickly and more sustainably. Number five, in addition to all of this, you can help prepare your client for any work that you plan to do with them that might bring up what you already know is uncomfortable or triggering for them. So you can always let them know in general what they're going to experience in your coaching through marketing, coaching offers, etc., to make sure that you've told them up front, like, we're going deep into this area, or I'm going to help you get results over here. But you could also send an email more specific to this one person ahead of time, like one or two days before your session, letting them know that the topic or work you're going to be doing um, might be associated with a trigger that you've discussed. Maybe attach a scripture that the Lord gives you for them. Maybe write out a prayer for them. Let them know that you're aware of what you're asking of them and that you're there to support them with grace and patience through this process. And remind them to have self-compassion for themselves as they become more aware of the triggers in their life and do the work of acceptance and growth. So I totally recommend you do these things for yourself as well. When you recognize a trigger in your life, communicate it to anybody who brings up a situation or puts you in a circumstance that triggers you. Set a boundary by letting them know what your plan is if it comes up again. And even ask them to let you know about it like ahead of time if they can. So especially in, you know, important, uh, significant relationships, let people know what you're struggling with and then they can help you be aware of maybe situations that you're you know, going to find yourself in. They can be with you in it and pray for you or even just help you prepare and mitigate it. So let's just an example, going back to that car wreck. Like you could say, say you're, you're getting in the car with a friend. Hey, I was once injured in a car wreck and it was, it was traumatic. It was painful. It was hard. Um, So when we drive fast, when you drive fast, (laughs) or you take turns too quickly, or you go through what you call light pink, red lights, something inside my brain reacts and causes a physical fear that I'm not yet able to control, and I can't suppress it. So if that's something that you can't take into consideration for me, I'm just going to need to drive separately, because I'm trying to not put myself in that situation on purpose. Also... If we are driving together and you're going to drive fast um, or go through a light, even when you are trying to be considerate and take me into consideration and what I just told you, maybe you could simply explain yourself by telling me, hey, I'm just driving past, to get, you know, fast to get past this car. OK, um, but I won't drive fast the whole time. Like if you're going to choose to drive fast, you're going to choose to put me in this situation Just help me know what your thought process is, or let me know ahead of time if you're going to go through a yellow light that you feel confident you can make because you don't see any other cars. And I'm not looking at whether there's cars in the intersection. I just see a light that indicates to my brain that if we go through it, my life's going to change again. 
So help me see those things ahead of time. Help me walk through them and avoid the circumstances if at all possible. I know that sounds like a lot. It feels like a lot, but you know, if it's, if it's a close friend, somebody you're constantly in the car with, if it's your husband, wife, boyfriend, uh, girlfriend, daughter, son, whoever it is, if, if this relationship is meaningful and you often want to be in this car, in a car with this person, then you would want to be able to communicate. So this is an outline for how to communicate after you've identified triggers in your life. Kind of use this as a, like a structure for how you can communicate that information that you're aware of to somebody that matters. Um, so I hope that this has opened your eyes to the subject. And some of you have heard the term before, I'm sure, but somebody, some of you might be just hearing about this for the first time. It's something I feel is important to be aware of for like probably three reasons. Um, one, just because it's important to be able to see where a client's getting stuck and know how to address it. So if you can identify the triggers and teach your client to identify them and understand their ability to move forward versus staying stuck and intertwined with that circumstance, um, then you can better know when to refer out to counseling. Two, Everybody has specific triggers that'll come up with when you're doing any type of growth or personal development, encountering risks that it might take to grow business, um, trying to achieve physical health goals, whatever kind of coaching you're doing. So when both you and your client are aware of the discomfort triggers or trauma triggers or even micro trauma triggers, you're then aware of the hindrances that they might experience and the walls that feel insurmountable to them, the things that, you know, just keep getting caught on this hook, right? So then you can, that helps you as a coach develop personalized strategies for helping them to overcome the trigger and move forward. Three, you know how to pray. And that's just simply one of the best ways you can serve your clients. Prayer brings far greater freedom and results and more sustainable success for both of you. Remember to go to sterlingandstonementoring.com and click on contact so you can submit any questions you have that you might want to throw out there and I can maybe answer on a podcast episode, not just to benefit you with the answer, but all of the rest of the listeners. I'm really appreciative to all of you who have left me a review, a written review on Apple Podcasts and uh, star rating because that has been amazing to see the support and the kindness pour in now that this is my new podcast and what I know God has said to do in this season. I'm so excited about it and I'm really excited when I see other people excited and impacted so please, if you haven't left me a review, that's one of the best ways that you can help the show get more visible for other people who want to find it. And I could help them become a great life coach as well. So I hope that you have a great day and I'll talk to you next time. And just to end, I bless you, your calling and your coaching. And if you've loved any of this content, my favorite form of thanks is a written review over on Apple Podcasts. It'll only take you 30 seconds and I would so appreciate it.